close relationship with them and want to know how to achieve it. Here's your host, Ivory Lanoue, renowned angel communicator. Do you want to know more about angels? Are you ready to level up your spiritual journey? Then you are going to love my inner circle and Patreon. Membership includes great benefits like virtual workshops, mentoring programs, topical videos, interesting posts, a supportive, like-minded community, discounted sessions with me, and access to a library of videos and posts on topics you care about like angels, spirituality, healing, and personal growth. Join and begin your spiritual expansion today. That's the Angel Room Inner Circle on Patreon. I'm Ivory. Thanks for tuning in today. My topic today is the key to a good life. Before I get started, I want to say hello to my listeners in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Thank you for being here week after week. Your support means a lot to me. I hope that you're finding this show helpful. Let's jump into this topic. With a crazy world we're in right now, more and more people are telling me coming to me as clients and students and saying, I'm, I'm really just not happy with my life. I just feel like I don't, I don't like the life that I've created or I've been living. So let's start with what does it take to live a good life? It's a question that could be answered in a lot of ways. Benjamin Franklin had a quote that many people die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 75. Well, yes, there's some truth in that about people who exist but don't really live. Socrates thought people with self-knowledge are more likely to find true happiness. The secret of happiness, you see, is not found in seeking more, but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. And doesn't that sound like today's modern minimalization movement, having less smaller homes, traveling more, more experiences instead of stuff. Clearly, clearly this has been an issue for thousands of years, and you're going to get a clear grasp of that as we go forward, because the philosopher Aristotle argued that the good life is a happy life. Happiness is the meaning and the purpose of life, the whole aim and an end of human existence, he said. Well, that's great, but again, what makes a happy life? So another philosopher Epicurus observed that the key to a good life is avoiding pain, abstaining for unnecessary desires, and being grateful for what you do have in life. He said, be moderate in order to taste the joys of life in abundance. I like it. There's a lot of books and essays and websites on living a good life, but today, again, more people than ever, it seems, are dissatisfied with their lives. We're seeing that in the mass exodus of people from the workforce where they're like, I've been doing this job that's just a job and I have no passion for it and life's too short. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't think that's a bad thing, folks. I think it can be really inconvenient for a lot of businesses and the public going through it, but it's a good thing for these people and they'll be happier in the long run, which makes for a happier society, which creates a happier world. So let's talk about a little bit more like in the 
from the view of philosophy, what is the good life? What is a good life? It's um, Socrates again, the ancient Greek philosopher who never wrote anything down, but his student Plato recorded his speeches and published dialogues that demonstrate his methods. And according to, to Socrates, his definition of the good life was that the unexamined life is not worth living. He argued that a person who lives a routine, mundane life of going to work and enjoying their leisure without reflecting on their values or life purpose had a life that wasn't worth living. Um, that's a little extreme, but I will say that being willing to reflect upon yourself, how you got where you are, what you enjoy, what you don't, what's working, what isn't, what do you want? If you don't take the time to reflect on those, it's really hard to create a good life for yourself or whatever that means for you. Socrates also argued that mere philosophical reflection is not sufficient for a good life. So it requires self-mastery of our animal passions, he called it, to ensure inner peace and the stability of the wider community. And that's talking about our, our animal instincts. Plato, another philosopher's view of the good life, supported the views of his teacher, Socrates. He's just handing it down here. In The Republic, he examines virtue and the role of philosophy, community, and the state in creating the conditions needed to live well. In this dialogue, Socrates is asked why a person ought to be virtuous to live a good life instead just merely appearing to be virtuous by cultivating a good reputation. And Socrates answered that the good life does not refer to a person's reputation, but to the state of a person's soul. How happy can you really be if you're faking it? If you're faking being a good person, doing good things, being in relationships of any kind, uh, getting along with people, you can only fake these things for so long. The role of philosophy is essential because philosophers are educated in using reason to subdue their own animal passions. This creates noble individuals who contribute to a well-ordered and humane society. A person who is unable to regulate their behavior will be unstable and create suffering for themselves and others, leading to a disordered society. We're seeing a lot of that right now in our country and around the world people who can't regulate their animal passions, their, their anger, their lust for power, for money, for control. Uh, they're acting out and not thinking about how it affects other people. So educated reason is crucial for cultivating virtuous conduct to minimize human suffering. That's both on an individual basis and for society. For Socrates and Plato, rational reflection on the consequences of our actions is key to establishing virtuous conduct and living the good life, both inwardly and outwardly. So not just showing it, but actually feeling it on the inside. For Plato's student Aristotle, the acquisition of both intellectual and character virtues created the highest good, which he identified with the Greek word eudaimonia, which translated as happiness. So it was Aristotle's opinion that state legislators, which was part of the Greeks' governance, 
should create laws that aim to improve in individual character, which develops along a spectrum from vicious to virtuous. I don't think that's any different than the laws we have that say you're not allowed to scream obscenities in someone's face. You're not allowed to hurt them. You're not allowed to to um, assault somebody in any way. We have laws that keep our civil our civilized society. So let's talk about how to figure out what a good life means for you. Because honestly, the keys to a good life are different for everyone. But you are the primary key. If you can think deeply, if you can take time to contemplate about everything that made you feel great in the past and what made you feel like you really came, what what made you feel alive, then you can easily build a good life for yourself. The clues to that are hidden in your past experiences, time with your loved ones, private, you know, personal solitary time, adventures, achieving your goals, pursuing creative projects, overcoming your fears, starting your own business. There's a lot of things. You're the only one who can figure out the pieces that make your life meaningful. I wish I could say, hey, Here's the key, but it would be the key for my happiness, not necessarily the key for yours, but the key is you doing this specific work for yourself. So it's more complicated than it sounds to do this, but it is possible to look back on the events and activities that bring out the best in you. Many people believe that success is the key to a good life, but what does success really mean? For some people, it means making a lot of money. For some people, it means being admired, being respected. Uh, For some, it means having a lot of loved ones in their life. There's so many different interpretations of that. One can, we can agree on one thing though, that we all want to live a good life. So, Let's dive a little deeper into this. Christopher Morley once said, there are three ingredients in the good life, learning, earning, and yearning. I like that. It's succinct. Life is about happiness and meaning, but you must find what fuels your fire and then do everything in your power to feed that flame. It doesn't matter what makes a good life for other people, only what makes good life for you. So what really matters to you? This is a great, another great quote. Immanuel Kant said, rules for happiness, something to do, someone to love, something to hope for. I've heard that one a long time ago and it really stuck with me. I like it a lot. There's no set formula again, but the good life can be found in many different ways. And the critical step is figuring out the right combination of things or actions that are for you. It's so much more than about money. It really is about everything in your life that makes it feel rich and full. It needs to be meaningful, healthy, and fulfilling. Money can be a means to the end of some of those things. But if you think that money is the is the end result of happiness, it is not. Some people use money to buy time for better life experiences. Nothing wrong with that. So here are some very clear ingredients for a good life. For most of us, these ingredients are pretty simple. One, work that challenges us creativity. (laughs) I keep saying that creatively, but doesn't exhaust us. Two, hobbies are creative pursuits that keep our minds sharp. Three, we also need to take care of our health in all aspects of our life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Four, material comfort, a roof over your head, some safety. Uh, decent clothes to wear, decent food to eat. 
Five, engagement in meaningful activities. Six, loving relationships with partners, family, and friends. And seven, belonging to a community. And it doesn't have to be your city. It can be a community of people. But you need community. Like you need your tribe. I've talked about your spiritual tribe, but there's tribe in general. Together, a sense of fulfillment and these and other life domains will lead most people to flourish and feel that life is worth living. They get happier, and I'll simplify it even further here. Why not? Number one, freedom to spend more time in your values, the things you value. Two, freedom to spend more time in your priorities, the things that you prioritize highly. Three, you know what you want. If you don't know what you want, how can you begin to reach your goals? You need to know your goals firmly, state them, and work towards those specific goals. So it's surprisingly simple, but I think it's very true. And um, Dennis Waitley said, a good life is a collection of happy moments. That's another good, good way to describe it. The real key to a good life is doing less of what makes you miserable. Anything that makes you unhappy is flat out stealing your joy. And I'm going to tell you, like, if you're working in a toxic work environment, you're doing work that's pure drudgery for you. It's time to start working towards something different, something better. First, you need to figure out what do you have a passion for? What did you used to love to do? What did you always dream of doing? Maybe you can't do it. If you dreamed of being a movie star, a rock star, you know, there are very few people are going to get that, but you could incorporate some acting into your life, some music into your life. Um, But as far as your work, you really do need to have a passion for what you do. That is why so many people have been quitting their jobs. And again, I don't think it's a bad thing. So the other thing that can happen too, that's a little touchier is people are waking up to realizing they're in toxic love relationships, or they're just not thriving. It's not what it used to be. You changed, they didn't, uh, vice versa. It's not working anymore. And there's a theory out there about how when Till Death Do Us Part was created, people didn't live very long. If you lived to 40, you were you know, pretty old, mid-40s, old age. So Till Death Do Us Part wasn't such a commitment. They couldn't even have fathomed living into their 80s and 90s. So now we're at this place in modern world where people are outgrowing their relationships. I'm not advocating divorce at all. I'm saying we have to be we have to be reasonable and we have to be kind and compassionate that it doesn't make sense to force yourself or someone else to try to stay in a relationship that's miserable for them. It's it can't be good for the other person either. Free yourselves. Um make these things that you do whatever changes you make make it a habit. You know, it makes it's uh it's about being consistent. Uh, Something really important is lose yourself in something. One of the best feelings in the world is to just get really involved in something, anything. There's all these studies that were done where they took like 300 men and women and they they wanted to see if they had um, saw themselves as growing and expanding. If they were seen as growing and expanding, they were more likely to score high as being satisfied with life and high self-esteem. 
those who were not seen as expanding, they're just kind of staying exactly as they were, did not score high. Other research showed that when people throw themselves into an activity for the sake of the activity itself, not for some sort of external reward like money or fame or, or social media followers, they tend to report long-term well-being and fulfillment. Attempting to master a craft takes a lot of time, but it's not selfish time. Um, in interviews with over 100 highly creative people, it was discovered that many found meaning in their lives precisely because they lost themselves in their pursuit or because they turned themselves over to it. Let's just sort of call it vital engagement. It can be in a relationship. It can be an activity. It can be a study. Something that manifests when you become fully absorbed in learning about something. And it doesn't really matter what the craft is. For some people, it could be running, it could be sculpting, cooking, playing a musical instrument. What does matter is that you respect and honor the traditions of the craft, pursue long-term progress in it, and participate not for an ego boost, but for the sake of transcending the very notion of who you are altogether. You are becoming something different, something better, something more well-rounded, more experienced, um, I One of the things I think about with this is how for many, many years I avoided buying a harp because I thought it would be really hard to play. And so I played other instruments, hammer dulcimer, and I played piano and guitar. And at some point I, I started a musical instrument business online. And one of the things I sold were harps and I got one. And I realized within an hour how easy it is to play if you know how to play piano. It's like turning a piano vertical. And I was able to just breeze through the first book of songs. And I thought, I have cheated myself out of decades of playing harp because I just thought it would be too hard. And there's people out there who tell me, oh, I'd love to play this or that, but I'm too old to start that. Well, I was, I was about 48, maybe 49 when I started playing harp. It's not too late. You could be older than that. It doesn't matter. If you've always wanted to play an instrument, play an instrument. Some people kind of think that it is self-serving or selfish to pour yourself into a, into a knowledge or passion for something, but I, I disagree with that. I've never met someone in pursuit of mastery of anything who pays close attention to their craft and cares deeply about it, who's not a really good person. You have to do things just for yourself, too. It's really important. You cannot be something for someone else all the time. It's not healthy. Next, be kind. As meaningful as devoting oneself to mastery can be, devoting oneself directly to helping others is perhaps even more powerful. And you don't have to choose. You can do both. One of the world's foremost happiness researchers says that one of the best ways to boost both happiness and meaning is to perform acts of kindness, such as volunteering, mentoring, coaching, or even just writing someone a letter of gratitude. When people do something like this, when they participate in these activities, they report more positive emotions, both immediately and over time. We do spend so much of our time in self-focused ways. So we wonder, what happens if I do this? What are they thinking? What are they going to do? Doubt, fear, self-judgment, the judgment of others about ourselves. We're planning, we're scheming. It's a whole lot of I, 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 and you understand what I'm saying. 
But there's this paradox. All of the self-focus is not very good for us. Studies show that self-absorption is associated with clinical depression, personality disorders, and anxiety. On the other hand, releasing from such a tight attachment to yourself is a hallmark of flow, that highly sought-after state of being fully in the zone. Losing oneself is also the goal of most spiritual disciplines. The more you forget about yourself, the, the better you'll feel, the better you'll do, the better person you'll be. Unfortunately, society currently promotes self-absorption. Some examples include social media, the supposed importance of building a personal brand or self-improvement, self-esteem movements. More than ever, it seems we're being sold the idea of a separate self. And this is a trap. While there are a handful of ways out, um, there are a couple that are specific we can explore. Um, I, For time's sake, I'm going to have to do that, continue that over on Patreon. You'll be able to tune in there and listen. But I do want to say the life ahead of you is entirely yours to design. In our insanely busy modern world, you can still make time to unapologetically choose activities and events that make you fully experience life, that allow you to do that. It's the only way to reduce the pressures and worries of increasing the uncertain world. Choose yourself. Know yourself. Rid yourself of the fear of being less, of not being enough. Be grateful for the essentials of life, not what you want, but what you've got, your needs being met. And be aware of more than what makes you come alive. Ryan Holiday's quote is, always choose a lifetime. Be with people. Actually do things. Actually live. There's nothing wrong with computer time and, and game time and phone time. But in moderation, and let's get back to actually being alive and interacting with each other. Next Sunday's topic is the lowdown on Twin Flames. That's by request for one of my listeners. Happy to provide this to you. I do have some thoughts on that you might not hear elsewhere. I look forward to sharing it with you. In the meantime, may your angels surround you. May your angels protect you every moment, every day of your life. I'll see you next week. episode.